Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. And so it begins a new year, and so it begins New Year's resolutions, and so it begins a new variant of COVID, and so it begins a new season at work and a new season at school, and so it begins everything has a new beginning and everything has an end. And oftentimes we don't think about the end from the beginning. So what would it be like to stop and think, where would you want to be in December of 2022? What would the condition of your heart, what would you want to have accomplished in your personality? Can we control those things? Are there an aspect of it, certainly, that we can't control, but there are aspects of it that we can control, and we can set our course for January of 2023. We can set our course for December of 2022 and say, here's where I want to be. And so as the Shepherds of Faith Church, we've been talking about, as a family, what would we want to be? Where would we like to be? What kind of people should the people of God at Faith Church be in the end of 2022? And so the word that keeps coming to our minds is whole. Whole. There are so many ways that we're pulled apart. There's so many ways that we're divided. There's so many ways that we're broken. There's so many ways we're discouraged. There's so much chaos. As we've thought of the people of Faith Church, starting with us, we want to pursue wholeness. That individually, we'd like to be more whole than we are now. And that's whole physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, sexually, financially, in every way, more whole. And if, as individuals, we were more whole, then our church family would be more whole, which would mean we'd be healthier and there'd be less division and greater power and partnership to advance the kingdom of God beyond faith church to the World. So if the shepherds of Faith Church could write a New Year's resolution for Faith Church, it would be, let's pursue wholeness as a family. And we could do that in lots of different ways, but the way that we're primarily seeing it this year for us has everything to do with engaging with, understanding, and knowing the whole Bible. That there is an aspect of God's grace and truth that will help us be whole, that will diagnose and drive health into all of us if we would engage with the grace and truth of God that's given to us primarily through the words of the Bible. And I know so many of us, we get overwhelmed by the Bible. We get confused by the Bible. I know so many of us think it's archaic. And because it's overwhelming and feels archaic at sometimes, we dismiss it. We underutilize it. We sometimes ignore it. And yet the precise tool that God has given us to grow us and to change us and to make us more like him and to make us whole is sitting right in front of us. 
And so starting today and now through the end of 2022, every week we're marching through the whole Bible. And, and I can hear some people going, wait a minute, I'm not stupid. The whole Bible, that's a long book. There's just no way you're going to be able to get through the whole thing without torturing us in 2022. I can also hear the skeptic go, you know, the Bible's so rich and deep. Why would you go so fast? Slow down, relax a little bit. Why go so fast? And I hear the skeptics and the red flags. I get it. That yes, some would go, it's too long and too boring. Others would go, it's so rich, it's so deep, it's gonna be so shallow if you do it all in one year. And as we've processed it, we've thought, as your shepherds, if we could work our way through the highlights and the most important aspects of the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation, there's an aspect of it that's going to make us as a family whole, stronger, better, healthier. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to work through it little by little throughout this next year. I hope you come along with me on this journey. And so it begins. Genesis 1.1. Open up your Bibles to the first page, the first chapter, the first words, Genesis 1.1. And as you find your way to Genesis 1.1, I just want to take a moment to thank you for your generosity throughout 2021. So a couple weeks ago, I got in front of you and asked Faith Church to give boots and bucks. And you guys, so we have these tags for all the homeless neighbors we have in the Lehigh Valley. And every tag that was given out and taken by you returned to give new boots to every one of our homeless neighbors. You killed it in an incredible way. And when a box truck full of boots went to our medical professionals in Lehigh Valley. Doctors and nurses had tears in their eyes because healthy feet equals healthy people. Thank you for being so generous and giving boots for our homeless neighbors. And I asked for bucks. In the last five weeks, Faith Church has given more than a million dollars incredible amount of resources you've entrusted to us. And that says to me that no matter what's going on in this world, there are people like you that are willing to sacrifice in love so that the name of Jesus can move out from the Lehigh Valley and around the globe. Thank you for your generosity and for your giving. Before I pray, I want to just talk to you about the Bible. Well, no, I'm going to pray. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would give us grace now as we lean into your word, that you would grow us and change us. I thank you for your generosity by giving us your word and giving us your son and giving us your spirit. You've changed us. You've changed the people of Faith Church and made us generous. I pray that we would use the resources entrusted to us to make your name famous, to not build a country club for Christians but a hospital for sinners and broken people, that more people would have access to Jesus. So work in us, I pray now in Christ's name, amen. Just a comment about the Bible, and then we're gonna dig into Genesis. Um, we often call the Bible a book. I think it's actually more helpful to see the Bible as a library, right? So the Bible is more like a library than a book in that, the Bible is made up of 66 books, 40 different authors, and lots of different genres 
of literature. When you walk into a library, it's very similar. There are different authors and different books and different sections and different genres. The Bible is like that. And with all of these different books, history and biography and poetry and letters, what's really neat is you don't have to like all the genres. Right? So I walk into a library. Some of you are like, I hate libraries. If you walk into a library, there are certain sections you avoid, right? Because you just don't like it. Okay, I get that. But guess what? When you walk into God's library, in some ways you can do the same. You can avoid certain sections if you want. It's up to you. We're going to march through all of them, but certain sections are going to resonate with you more than others. But here's what's fascinating. Every genre, every piece of literature, every book, every author has one and the same theme. God loves you. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. God wants you to put your faith and trust in Jesus because he restores and transforms you. And when you put your trust in Jesus, that's where you find your greatest joy and that's where God is glorified most. In every piece of literature you read in the Bible, that message comes through. So come into the library with me. We're going to work through all the literature. And at the end of 2022, we're going to be whole because of it. God's going to do something in us. So Genesis is where we're starting. And the author of Genesis is this guy, Moses, who's from a Jewish family. He's been adopted by Egyptians. He's raised in Pharaoh's household. He's educated in the best schools of his time and he ends up murdering someone. He has to go into hiding, and when he's in hiding, he bumps into God, and he has a relationship with God. And God decides to take this well-educated murderer who's on the run and use him to rescue God's people from 400 years of slavery and to be the author of the first five books of the Bible. Talk about a story of love and redemption that God would use Moses. So Moses' primary audience is Jewish people who have spent hundreds of years in Egyptian captivity. And Moses has this primary task in these opening chapters of the Bible to introduce his Jewish audience to the one true God who not only rescued them from slavery, but created them and has a purpose and plan for their lives. So in this first couple chapters in Genesis which is the creation story, I want to remind you that Moses is not trying to talk about how the world was formed or when the world was formed. These opening chapters are about who formed the world. I'll say it again. Moses is not about how the earth was formed, but about who formed it. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. So foundational, right? Before anything, these first words, there is God. He exists before time and space. He's always been and always will be. And for you and me to pursue wholeness in 2022, we have to stop and ask the question, do you believe this? Do you believe in God? Do you believe that he is before the beginning, that he'll be here at the end, yes or no? Because to some degree, until you settle this in your mind, the rest of the Bible in some ways won't make as much sense. So everything in the Bible points to this fact that God is creator, and I would encourage you at a foundational level to wrestle with this truth. Who do you say God is? Is he in the beginning? Is he before all things? Will he be here afterwards? And whatever you say, 
that's okay, right? So if you go, yes, I believe in God and I believe he is creator and sustainer of the universe. The rest of the Bible is going to develop your love and loyalty and obedience to God. That's what it's going to do. But if you would say, no, I don't believe in God, I am so glad you're here. Because this is like a thesis statement at the beginning that the rest of the Bible is going to lay out a argument, so to speak, that there is a God. He is more glorious and powerful and gracious and just and wise than you can imagine. And so if you're sitting here today and going, I don't believe in God, I'm glad you're here, and I would encourage you to stick with us and journey through the entire library. And if we go through the whole library at the end of 2022, you go, I don't believe in God still. Okay, but join us through the journey of the whole thing. If you don't believe in God, we are glad you're here. Now, I have to be honest. Genesis 1 through 3 is some of my favorite passages in the Bible. I've spent way too much time reading this, studying it, thinking about it. And I, I, I kind of, I'm like a little bit jacked up excited to talk about this. That's why I'm going so fast. I love this topic. I want you to see that these first three chapters are all about God beginning with love. But if you miss everything and anything I say, these first chapters are about Love, that God is love and that he creates in love. And I'm going to help hopefully walk through at a high level Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and show you how these three chapters of the Bible support this thesis that God begins everything in love. Are you ready? So I'm going to start by understanding Genesis 1. I want to read to you from my favorite Bible commentary on this chapter of the Bible. It's the Jesus Storybook Bible written by Sally Lloyd-Jones. The best theology of Genesis chapter 1. Here we go. In the beginning, there was nothing. Nothing to hear, nothing to feel, nothing to see. Only emptiness and darkness and nothing but nothing. But God was there and God had a wonderful plan. to take. I'll take all the emptiness, God said, and I'll fill it up. Out of the darkness, I'm going to make light. And out of the nothing, I'm going to make everything. Like a mommy bird flutters her wings over her eggs to help her babies hatch, God hovered over the deep, silent darkness. He was making life happen. God spoke, that's all. And whatever he said, it happened. God said, hello, light, and light shone in the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. You're good, God said, and they were. Then God said, hello, sea, hello, sky, and a gray space opened up wide, deep, and high. You're good, God said, and they were. Then God said, hello, land, and there, splashing up through the oceans, came cliffs, mountains, sandy beaches. You're good, God said, and they were. Hello, trees, God said. Hello, grass and flowers, and everything everywhere burst into life. He made buds bud, shoots shoot, flowers flower. You're good, God said, and they were. Hello, stars, God said. Hello, sun. Hello, moon. And whizzing into the darkness came fiery globes, spinning round and around, whirling orange and purple and golden planets. You're good, God said, and they were. Hello, birds, God said, and with a fluttering and a flapping and a chirping and a singing, birds filled the skies. Hello, fish, God said, and with a darting and a dashing, a wriggling and splashing, fish filled the sea. 
You're good, God said. And they were. Then God said, hello, animals. And everyone came out to play. The earth was filled with noisy noises, growling and gobbling and snapping and snorting and happy skerfuffling. You're good, God said. And they were. And God saw all that he had made and he loved them. And they were lovely because he loved them. But God saved the best for last. From the beginning, God had a shining dream in his heart. He would make people to share his forever happiness. They would be his children and the world would be their perfect home. So God breathed life into Adam and Eve. When they opened their eyes, the first thing they saw was God's face. And when God saw them, he was like a new dad. You look like me, he said. You're the most beautiful thing I've ever made. God loved them with all his heart, and they were lovely because he loved them. And Adam and Eve joined in the song of the stars and the streams and the wind and the trees, the wonderful song of love to the one who made them. Their hearts were filled with happiness, and nothing ever made them sad or lonely or sick or afraid. God looked at everything he had made. Perfect, he said, and it was so. But all the stars and mountains and oceans and galaxies and everything were nothing compared to how much God loved his children. He would move heaven and earth to be near them, always. Whatever happened, whatever it cost him, he would always love them. And so it was that this wonderful love story now began. And all the different times I've read Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and to hear these imagery, this imagery of a loving God who designs and creates, it's so easy to forget and miss the point. But I, I want to sort of point out phrases that are throughout Genesis chapter 1 that are worth talking about. The phrase God said in Genesis 1 is repeated nine times. Why is that important? Because if God is before all things and above all things, he's in a different category than you and me. He's outside of time and space, and he is stronger than time and space. And when he speaks, things happen. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was made not out of what was visible. Colossians 1.16-7, for from him all things were created, Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Together, So the Bible teaches this from beginning to end, that God is both creator, sovereign, sustainer of all things, holding everything together with his word. And you might be bothered by that. You might be bothered by the fact, like, how could God speak and something happen? How can he hold something together, create something out of nothing? And yet, isn't that what Elon Musk does all the time? I mean, Elon Musk says, I'm going to drill a tunnel under a city to get rid of traffic. Elon Musk says, we're going to Mars. We're building electric cars. And when he says it, these things happen. When Elon Musk says something about your company, the stocks rise and the stocks fall. If Elon Musk has the power with his words to do that, what about the God who made Elon's brain? You see, this is the God who speaks. There's these important phrases. So nine times he says these things and they come to be. But these other phrases, five times in Genesis 1, it says God created. Five times it says God called or named something. 
Five times it says God separated something. Two times it says God, God gathered something. Ten times it says God made something according to their kind or type. Seven times God declares what he made to be good. Three times God blesses something. And so all of this, Genesis chapter 1, these phrases make me know that God is love because as creator, who doesn't create in love, right? Like if you're going to make soup this afternoon for your family, you create in love. It's a part of what you do when you create, when you make. So he makes all this stuff and he does it to share his love with the world and he brings order to the chaos. He gathers and names things by type. It's all an act of love and he blesses, right? So he makes all this stuff and he says, it's good, it's good, it's good. Then he makes humanity the pinnacle of his creation and he says, now this is very good and he blesses. We're made in his image. We're not like plants and animals. We're different. We're created in his image, which means we also have the ability to both create things and to bless things. That's an act of his love. He could have made you like a stick to do nothing but grow, drop leaves, break, and be burned. But instead, he gives you this intellect and ability to not only create things, but to bless things. This is love. Let's keep going. Genesis 2. You have your Bible? Open it up. Genesis 2. I want you to look at verse 5. This is pretty neat. Genesis 1 is this sort of mega view of creation. Genesis 2 kind of slows down and zooms in on the creation of humanity. Genesis chapter 1 is big, wide. Genesis 2 is slow and more detail. Now, No shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. I want you to try to picture in your mind the Amazon jungle, right? All the trees and sounds and vines and colors and smells, just wild jungle. That's sort of the picture of creation, wild jungle. And God clears out a little spot and takes dust from the ground and forms a man out of the dust of the ground and breathes life into this man And then he clears this space within the wild to establish a garden. This garden that he plants, we call it Eden, is not wild. The wild is outside the garden. Inside is order and joy and peace. And he takes this man he just formed and places him in the garden. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any of the tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So outside is wild, inside the garden is beauty and order and fruit trees and vegetables and things to eat. 
And he puts the man in the garden and says, now you take care of this garden and there's only one thing you can't do. Eat everything, take care of everything. The one thing you can't do is don't eat from this one tree. It's off limits. The rest, care for it, enjoy it. Eat as much as you want, just not this one tree. Verse 18, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. No animals would serve as a proper helper for man, so God forms woman from man and establishes marriage, Genesis 2.24. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So you picture this wild jungle inside this beautiful garden. Man and woman are there, naked, enjoying everything that's there, taking care of this garden, enjoying each other, enjoying God, enjoying all the fruits and vegetables that they can eat. This is what Genesis 2 teaches us, that God, in his love, gives humans purpose. He says, here's my garden. This is my garden. All outside there is wild. Inside here, this is mine. I built this, designed it. It's for you. He says, you're not going to do it alone. You need a woman and a man. The world couldn't operate with just men. The world couldn't operate with just women. I give you to each other. Here's my garden. Take care of it. Here's each other. Take care of each other. Enjoy the garden. Enjoy each other. This is your purpose. And he gives choice, right? He says, here's all the fruit of the garden. Enjoy all of it. Eat it. Have it. Add it. Everything there is yours. There's one tree. Don't eat from it. That's not for you. What he doesn't do, God, is he doesn't put barbed wire, razor wire around the tree, does it? To make sure they don't touch it. No. It's like putting a toddler, putting a donut on the kitchen table and going, don't touch it. And he walks away. That's love. To say, I love you so much, I'm going to give you a choice. I'm giving you all of this to enjoy. Everything is yours. Take care of it. Enjoy it. There's one spot. Don't touch it. And I love you so much, I'll give you real choice. Genesis chapter 3. Back to my favorite commentary. Adam and Eve lived happily together in their beautiful new home. And everything was perfect for a while until the day when everything went wrong. God had a horrible enemy. His name was Satan. Satan had once been the most beautiful angel, but he didn't want to be just an angel. He wanted to be God. He grew proud and evil and full of hate, and God had to send him out of heaven. Satan was seething with anger and looking for a way to hurt God. He wanted to stop God's plan. Stop this love story right here. So he disguised himself as a snake and waited in the garden. Now God had given Adam and Eve only one rule. Don't eat the fruit of that tree, God told them, because if you do, you'll think you know everything. You'll stop trusting me, and then death and sadness and tears will come. You see, God knew if they ate the fruit, they would think they didn't need him, and they'd try to make themselves happy without him. But God knew there was no such thing as happiness without him, and life without him wouldn't be life at all. As soon as the snake saw his chance, he slithered silently up to Eve 
Does God really love you? The serpent whispered. If he does, why won't he let you eat the nice, juicy, delicious fruit? Poor you. Perhaps God doesn't want you to be happy. The snake's words hissed in her ears and sunk down into her heart like poison. Does God love me? Eve wondered. Suddenly, she didn't know anymore. Just trust me, the serpent whispered. You don't need God. One small taste, that's all, and you'll be happier than you could ever dream. Eve picked up the fruit and ate some, and Adam ate some too. And a terrible lie came into the world. It would never leave. It would live on in every human heart, whispering to every one of God's children, God doesn't love me. When you pick the story up in the text in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, after they eat, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And this is the trajectory of things. What God does is he creates and blesses and gives purpose and choice. And now Adam and Eve do the one thing he says not to do. He gives them everything. He blesses them, says it's all good. Here's purpose. Here's choices. And Adam and Eve disobey God. And curses enter the world. And God takes Adam and Eve out of his garden and puts them back into the wild. Because you didn't trust me, now God can't trust us, can't trust humanity. And this is what we learn from Genesis 3, that God creates, he blesses, he gives purpose and choice. He loves us so much, he holds us accountable. He can't just look the other way. Love is actually holding us accountable to real choices and not just saying, because I love you, I'm going to let you do whatever you want. No. God creates the world, blesses the world, gives us purpose in this world, gives us choices in this world, and holds us accountable to our real choices. And these themes, which are introduced in the first three chapters of the Bible, will echo in through the rest of the entire library that God loves us that he creates us for a purpose and blesses us and says, now go create other things and bring order and joy and drill under cities and make rockets that can go to the moon and make beautiful art and beautiful music and enjoy each other. Life is good. Take care of each other. Take care of my planet. I'll give you real choices to make. I won't put barbed wire around things or an electric fence. I'll say to you, this is life and this is death. This is good, and this is not good. This is sin, and this is not sin. And I'll let you choose, and I love you so much that with whatever you choose, I won't quit loving you. So whether I choose to honor God or dishonor God, he loves me. 
Whether I choose to follow him or not follow him, he loves me, but there are real consequences. I will be held accountable for my real choices that I make, not only today, but in my life before today and my life after today. And the choices that I make will echo through eternity. This is love. And so here's your homework assignment. Would you join me in the library? Would you come with me to the library? Because these are just the beginning parts of this entire big story about how God loves us even when we dishonor him and reject him and ignore him. And so I really want to encourage you to read the Bible this year. And maybe that means buying my favorite commentary on the Bible, buying the Jesus Storybook Bible, reading it for yourself, reading it for your kids, because there's so much goodness in just this little book. But I want to encourage you to read the Bible Bible to read it. And some of you have read it already. And some of you have read it countless times. Will you read it with us again this year? The Bible has about 1,200 chapters. If you want to read the whole Bible in 2022, you got to start today. And it's like two or three chapters a day for the entire year. And you'll get through it. Some of you have done it. Some of you said, I always wanted to do it. Would you make this year the year that you do it? If you go online to the YouVersion Bible, in the App Store, you can find great resources to help you read through the Bible. If you've always wanted to do it, 2022 is the year you're going to do it. It's going to help you be whole. But we also know a lot of us here struggle with reading the Bible. And so Faith Church has developed this read the library Bible reading plan that goes along with this sermon series. And it just is a little bit more high level, goes through beginning to end of the Bible with the highlights of 450 chapters. So this plan is three chapters a day, three days a week, 150 readings, 450 chapters, the whole Bible by the end of the year, the highlights. Would you read your Bible this year? to understand how God created you, blesses you, gives you purpose and choice, and is crystal clear with accountability about what life is like, so that when we get to the end of 2022, we would be more whole. Grab this Bible plan if you want on the way out at guest services and join us on this journey through God's library to learn how we are actually responsible for our choices. Right now in modern Western civilization, we want to point fingers at everybody else, blame everyone else for everything, instead of seeing I make choices today that impact tomorrow. And I know that there are choices being made by people around us, choices of people, sinful choices that people have made for you in the past. At some point you have to say, I will now take responsibility and I'm going to make choices about my past and my present to point into the future and know that God is with me the entire journey. He gives you his son. He gives you his spirit. He gives you his word. And that grace and truth will make you whole. Would you pray with me? Thanks, Father, for giving us Jesus. For without him, we can't be whole. But in Christ, we are forgiven 
from our sin and our disobedience. In Christ, we're given your spirit to live inside us so that when we read the pages of the Bible, it comes alive and it's our compass and our anchor and our guide. Would you motivate this family to wholeness this year? May we lean into reading and understanding the Bible, not as an academic thing, but as a transformational way that we get to know you and follow you with joy. God, I pray for the person listening, watching online, here on campus, who's skeptical, who doesn't even believe there is a God, who thinks this is hogwash. I pray that they would know they're welcomed here and you welcome everyone. I pray that they would dive into the Bible, walk into the library, and search, and seek, with clean, open eyes to see. Because you promise that when anyone seeks you, they will find you because you're not far from any of us. So to the skeptic here listening at the beginning of 2022, to the mature follower of Jesus that's been walking with you for decades, lead us into wholeness emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, sexually, financially, relationally, vocationally, so that we could be used to advance your kingdom one person at a time to the end that you would be glorified, made famous through me, through my family, through this church, through every person who calls themselves a Christian. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.